Heavenly Father, well, we want to thank you and praise you for, um, for the mothers that are in this room and the mothers that are in this church, because that's what a great deal of your work in the kingdom gets done through. And I just want to thank you and praise you for the way that you've blessed us. Pray, God, that you would uh, glorify yourself with, with, with what's said and done this morning in, in our Sunday school class, God, that we might all be drawn closer to you by, by studying your word, looking into what you have for your amazing word to apply to our lives today. And I pray, Father God, that you'd uh, just uh, fellowship with us as we fellowship with each other, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hmm. And I forgot to hook up my mouse. So while I'm doing a slight introduction here, and so I can actually change slides, um, I wanted to just talk real quickly about, about parables. And um, essentially, the fact that the, the way parables work. And take a look at this uh, picture here. You can kind of see, uh, immediately I see an older gentleman and an older woman that are staring at each other. But the longer you look at this picture, you may see something else. You may see a gentleman with a sombrero on the left-hand side and a woman on the, I'm sorry, right-hand side with a guitar and a woman on the left-hand side with a sombrero and the eyebrows. The eyebrows are the sombreros. All right? And their, their legs are kind of V'd the way they're sitting. And there's actually a woman in his ear, which has some implications, but I'm not going to talk about those today. <laughs> not going to go there. If you, if you have complaints about that comment, see Barry. All right? So... The thing is, is that, you know, depending on how you're looking at something, you're going to see different things. And depending on whether you've been told that there's additional things in this, in this picture, you may or may not actually see them. Same thing with this picture. This one's a little bit more difficult. If you look at this one, you see a young woman with a bonnet looking to the left. Uh, and we're kind of behind her looking at her. Okay. If you stare at her, uh, at her necklace... That's the mouth of an older woman who's facing the left. Her ear is the eye of the older woman. Okay? You saw the old woman first? That says something about... <laughs> right? Yeah, she's got a bump on her nose. The, the chin and the... The nose of the woman is a, makes up the hole in the nose. All right. <laughs> no, you don't need drugs to see this there. All right. Okay. All right. This is the last one. There's, a, there's an old man with a crown of ivy leaves on his head. Or do you see two lovers embraced in a kiss with a, uh, I guess what you call the... Uh, uh, Three Musketeers hat on the gentleman, and so forth. Uh, his nose, his nose is her face facing, facing the. Uh, she's on the right, he's on the left. Yeah. Okay. Great, and and frankly, that's just what that's that's what parables are like. Okay, parables have have some hidden meaning in them, specifically because of. Um, 
well, for several reasons. We'll talk about those in a minute. But, you know, those that are believers that, that have Christ in their heart and so forth, they have a certain amount of understanding that, that you can immediately have contact with. As soon as I understand, uh, understood that one of, the other, uh, one of the other directors at my office, as soon as I understood he was a believer, okay, immediately we had a whole new set of things that we can talk about, we communicate, use uh, short words, you know, uh, we immediately have a connection and an understanding and so forth. And, and it's something that other people don't necessarily see, understand, or have. But it's because we're both, you know, spiritually connected. We both have a relationship with Christ and so forth. So that is a, that's, that's a lot of the way that the parables work. And Matthew 13 is a long list of parables, and it talks about the kingdom of heaven. So, and again, you know, Jim gives me a really long passage of scripture to cover, so we got to get rolling here. But... Essentially, why did Jesus use parables? So let's talk about that for a quick second, and then we're going to talk about, uh, you know, kind of interpreting them and so forth. Uh, Jesus was a master teacher, and he uses, you know, parables, you know, to, to make a real memorable impression upon, uh, upon the, those that were listening. Now, in, in the context of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus it has a large multitude following him. Looking at the first several verses, it gives you the setup to, uh, to, uh, to the, um, it says, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you, oops, hang on, there we go. Uh, uh, verse one, uh, on the same day, Jesus, uh, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathering together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude sat on the shore. So, I mean, he got pressed in by, by uh, large crowds, and so he sat in a boat to teach them so that he could, you know, keep enough room. And then he spoke to them in parables, and he didn't really not speak to them at that point in parables. The only people that he didn't really speak to parables uh, in parables to were, were his disciples and so forth. So, um, it said that, uh, you know, parables are uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that at the very end okay the the parables are actually full of hidden meaning uh, only those that had a spiritual understanding understood it but also it, it was interesting to see that um, Jesus used parables to a certain extent and we can see that in in Matthew 13 and in uh, partner um, uh, partnered uh, ver- uh, sections of the Gospels uh, in Luke uh, Luke 4 and others that Jesus used this essentially to, in many ways, extend his ministry so that the people, the, the Jews, didn't necessarily fully understand exactly what he was talking about and the claims on uh, his, uh, he, he being the person of God, and, and therefore that extended his ministry and he used that to line up the timing uh, of his death and sacrifice and so forth. So it was... Uh, it was something that he used in order to communicate, but, but, but keep himself um, alive during that time. Of course, he could control that in other ways, but this is one of the ways that he chose to do so. But essentially, you know, if, if we want to re- really get right down to it, Jesus tells us exactly why he used parables in, um, uh, in uh, verses 34 and 35. 
Uh, and they said unto him, Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus answered to them, uh, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. In other words, those who didn't have the understanding, they weren't supposed to understand. It was really only for you. So Jesus is speaking to a large multitude, and he's immediately dividing them into two camps, those that understand and those that don't. Okay? Whosoever has, to him shall more be given, and he will have it in abundance. But whoever does not have, even what, uh, what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their, uh, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. We see that um, in Psalm 78, 1-4, it says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. And essentially, let's go to the next slide here. We want to talk about the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven is, the only, is only mentioned in Matthew. Uh, in the other four Gospels, or in the other four Gospels, in the other, I'm adding. So, sorry about that, didn't mean to do that today. Uh, in the other three Gospels, um, it's always talked about as the kingdom of God. And there's a lot of speculation. There's a really good website, uh, it's in the notes. Um, there's a really good website that really just kind of lines this up and goes concept by concept and lines up. And really, the two terms are used interchangeably. And the reason that Matthew is using the words kingdom of heaven is because of his audience. His audience is the Jews, okay? And so therefore, if he's using the concept of the kingdom of heaven or using those words, and rather than the kingdom of God, it doesn't incite them to uh, essentially riot over his claim to be God. So therefore, uh, most, uh, most of the commentaries I read through and so forth pretty well said, you know, they're used interchangeably. Matthew's using it so that he didn't directly offend, at that point, the Jews, so that the, that, the, the, the concept of him being God didn't come to the forefront in that particular concept because he wanted it later, okay? So um, that, that really lends us to, back to where Jesus uh, describes specifically um, in Luke chapter 4, 40, verse 43, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God uh, to, the, to the other towns because it is why I was sent. So the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven, and that's the primary content of the, the set of parables, is specifically why Jesus was sent. And in a nutshell, we can say that the, 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 the concept of the teaching of the kingdom of heaven and the gospel, are the, are, that is the same thing. That is exactly, you know, all too often we use too many, you know, um, cliches, uh, Christianisms, you know, oh, you know, let's get behind the cross. Really, what does that mean? Or let's, you know, uh, we got to preach the gospel. Well, what, you know, to mo most people, if, you know, that it becomes a word or just a, an association with some action and so forth, but what does that really mean? And the, the gospel, the good news, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what divides between those that have and those that have not, okay? Whether you believe in Jesus Christ uh, as your personal savior, that divides all people into those that have salvation and those that do not have salvation, okay? Now, 
That's not something that we typically, in, the, in, in our modern age of ecclesiastical uh, you know, uh, friendliness, that, that, that people want to hear. The message you're going to hear from our, uh, our educational institutions, from our, from our uh, governments, uh, and so forth, is one of reconciliation, or one of, of inclusion. Everybody gets to heaven. That's a great message, right? Everybody gets to heaven. You choose to go by Muhammad. You choose to go by Jesus. You choose to go by uh, your works within the Catholic Church. Yada yada yada. yada. You know, each one has their own way to heaven. But Jesus says there's one way to heaven, and that's through me. Now, that's not a really popular message. All right, it's not. That's one that divides people and makes people angry. And it makes them angry, and this is one of the most important things I learned in Bible college, is that people don't get angry necessarily over what you're saying. They get angry over the implications of what you're saying. In other words, people aren't angry that I'm saying that Jesus is the way to heaven. They're, they're angry that I'm saying that their way is not the way to heaven. And so therefore, you know, keep in mind that it's, it's always got to be the message that divides, the concept of truth that divides, not the way you're saying it, the way that you're, you're presenting it, uh, something that's being offensive to another person. Let the gospel offend, because it'll definitely, it'll definitely get to them and so forth, okay? So that gets us down to the, really the, the two key points of, of this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to jump into it, okay? Because I want to do a little bit of the setup here so that we kind of understand and kind of see that this, this stuff's, you know, divisive, but it's told in stories. So it, it, the, the, the communication is there, but the people are not being necessarily directly offended by it, okay? So therefore, the, the two key points, number one, uh, truth divides. Um, the gospel separates those that have and those that do not have eternal life, okay? And the concept of the kingdom of heaven is a gospel or the concept of salvation being taught and, and being lived out in the lives of believers now. It's not future. It's not, because all these applications for the, the parables are applications and truths that we see now, and the application is now. We'll talk about that as well. Okay? So, looking at the whole of... Uh, Matthew chapter 13, just looking at it from an exegetical standpoint. Um, the first two, uh, two verses are going to be the setup or the setting of him being on the, on the, on the boat, uh, teaching to those that are all standing on the shore. Then we have the parable of the sower, where it's talking about the farmer who sows a seed and so forth. We'll talk about that in a minute. The disciples then ask, why are you teaching in parables? Okay. Tells us that, you know, this is something that he hadn't necessarily done to this date. And so that's, that's a real interesting concept as well. Jesus explains why he's teaching in parables, essentially so he can teach truth, but not necessarily have, you know, every, uh, you know teach it in a way that's not going to necessarily get him, you know, uh, crucified that day, all right? Uh, the par- uh, Jesus then goes back through and he explains the parable of the sower, Okay. So he tells them exactly what it means. So he's giving them the example. He's giving them the explanation of exactly why. And then he goes on. He goes through the parable of the wheat and tares, parable of the mustard seed, parable of leaven, explains that 
him speaking in uh, uh, sp uh, speaking the uh, parables are a fulfillment of the prophe of prophecy. And then he comes back, and it's just kind of interesting order here, and there's no real reason that I can uh, have found necessarily for this. But the parable of the tares is explained down here after he's, you know, gone through several of the other, these other, uh, other things. Parable of the hidden treasure, uh, parable of the pearl of great price, which are essentially identical in concept. Then we have the parable of the dragnet, or the, the fishing net of pulling, you know, good fish, bad fish, and so forth. And then the result of him, you know, uh, eventually the result of uh, him teaching in parables is that he's re rejected in Nazareth because people are seeing him teach these things and they're not, they're, they're, they're no, they know that there's meaning in them and they're not seeing it. And so they're upset, not necessarily that he, um, uh, that uh, he, what he was teaching, but was the fact that they didn't understand what he was teaching, okay? So jumping right in to the parable of the sower, uh, because of time constraints, I don't necessarily want to jump in. I think mo many of us have, have heard this parable. It's where uh, the farmer sows a seed, and there's three different grounds that the seed lands on. And those three grounds are the three potential states that a person's heart is in at the time in which they receive the gospel. Okay? So the rocky soil is when trouble or persecution uh, comes, and the... the uh, uh, because of the word, and he quickly falls away. So some people like the gospel as a novelty, uh, but then they get bored with it, and it doesn't solve their problems, and they quit. And this is something that when uh, essentially the, the, the word of God, you know, is uh, something that people are looking for a quick fix. And when they convert to, um, uh, to become a believer, it doesn't truly take root, all right? And as soon as trials come along after it, they were, they were looking to fix all the problem. They weren't necessarily looking for truth, okay? Number two, thorns. This is where, when the seed is thrown into the thorns and it grows up amongst the thorns and so forth. And distracted by worries of the world, uh, some drop out and... It didn't really, didn't actually take root. Uh, they're more worried about the world than they're worried about their position in eternity. So it essentially chokes out it, and it never truly took root at that point either. The only successful uh, is when the soil is prepared and it's good soil. All right. So that's an interesting concept and one that we're going to come back to. Uh, at, at the very end as well. And the fact of the matter is, is that we're not responsible for whether someone comes to Christ or not. And I'm not one that necessarily has the gift of evangelism. Mine's more along the lines of administration and so forth. But I'm not, I'm not the person that's, you know, out there, you know, knocking on doors and so forth. And I, I praise God for the people that are, because I just am, you know, everybody has their gifts. I also praise God for the people that can pray for hours and hours and hours. I have to pray behind the wheel. That's, you know, a bit on the ADD of comp uh, obsessive compulsive side and so forth. I have to, that's the only way I can get myself to, 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 
to spend the time that I want to, you know, in prayer, and that's while I'm driving. And, you know, I get 45-minute prayer time every morning. <laughs> well, 22 minutes on the way back, because on the way to school, it's, you know, conversation galore with three daughters. But anyways, um, so, so um, those that have the gift of evangelism, you know, it's, it's real, this is one thing that's just really important, is to realize that you are not responsible for the response of somebody to the gospel. You are only responsible to tell them. And how many people here are, are in sales positions in their career? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. In, in sales is 100% what? It's a numbers, numbers game, right? It's, a, it's, just all, it's all about how many people you tell. Because you have some impact on whether a person responds as to how well you communicate something to them, their, their, their need, and so forth. You have some, in, uh, some capability, but at the end of the day, you know, if you only tell 10 people a day about something, uh, the, your product, only 10 people have a chance to respond, and if, say, normal, normal closing ratio is 30%, so say three people out of that is, uh, uh, will respond, the only way to increase your numbers is to tell more people. So if you have the same closing ratio of 30% on a sale, if you tell 10 people a day and you are able to move to telling 20 people a day, you went from closing three sales a day to closing six sales a day, right? So that's, that, that's the long and the short of it. I hate to get analytical and statistical about, uh, about the gospel, but essentially, you know, God prepares a person's heart to receive the gospel, and we're responsible for, for telling them about it, and, and God brings them in. So... Uh, the kind, of, the kind that Jesus wants us to be is the good soil. He wants us to, at that, to, to receive the gospel, and we have a choice of uh, what kind of soil uh, that we're going to be, and that's our choice in that as we receive the gospel and so forth. So that's the parable, uh, parable of the sower. Again, you know, presentation of the gospel and, and its receipt. Okay? Let's talk about the parable of wheat and tares. Uh, this is where... The, the parable is set where um, uh, an evil person comes in and throws bad seed into someone's crop, and that now you have good plants growing up and bad plants growing up. All right? No, it's not a Baptist church, but it could be. But <laughs> you have good seed coming in. And the reason is because is wheat produces grain that is good for eating. Tares produces junk that is not good for digestion, you know, it has no nutritional value, okay? So essentially, the, 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 the weeds are the bad people uh, spread by the devil throughout, and the seeds are the disciples that are spreading uh, the, the true gospel. The bad is mixed with the good. This is part of, a part of God's plan, and he allows it. Jesus is describing the world, uh, a world in which Satan is active, the age in which we live in today, Kingdom of God is growing now, and God is waiting to see those plants that are going to be fruitful. So, this essentially is telling us, and in, in really no uncertain terms, that there are good people, there are bad people, and they're at the end of the day, God will sift them, and he'll separate them. And that's the whole concept of the threshing floor, okay? Where they would take the grain, and the, the wheat, and the tares are mixed, right? And they essentially throw it up, in the air, the wind blows the light tears, blows them off, 
and the seeds come back down and so they, they mix it around again, they throw it up, the wind blows the tares out, they catch all the seeds uh, or the, uh, the, the wheat itself back down and it's sifted and God only keeps the, the good, those that have responded to the gospel and so forth. So again, first concept is, uh, you know, the uh, good soil, people responding or not responding, so it's again dividing. Wheat and tares, same concept, it's the gospel, where there's good people, bad people, God divides them eventually. Okay? So we're seeing a common theme in this. Parable of the mustard seed uh, shifts a little bit here. It says, um, the, par- the, the mustard seed is the smallest seed that grows, okay? but it produces a massive tree. Okay? So that's uh, using, the, using that concept that you know, it's a small decision that makes a massive difference. Okay? And that's the concept. And we see the same thing in the parable of the leaven. It's a very similar to the, to the mustard seed. Okay? In that leaven, when it's added to bread, makes the bread puff up, adds all the air, uh, air and, it, and it reacts with the bread itself. Okay? So it makes a big difference. Little tiny leaven in, in the bread. You don't need much. Okay? Just a little bit makes a big difference in the bread itself. So you've got two concepts here where the, the decision to follow after Christ or to accept the presentation of the gospel, okay, that makes all the difference and it makes a massive difference in our lives. Okay? So going back over last set, parable of the hidden treasure. Uh, Jesus is the main character. God's people is a, fi- uh, is a field Jesus gives everything he has to purchase a prize. The value may not be evident right now, but it's there. And, it's, and the parable of the great, uh, pearl of great price is the same thing. So, looking at this, in verse 44, very short, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid, uh, for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys a field. And then verse 45 and 46, the, other, the, uh, the pearl of great price, says, Again, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had uh, found one uh, pearl of great price, uh, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And Many people think, you know, at first glance, they're thinking that this is speaking about how, you know, you need to do everything you can to accept the gospel. But that's actually kind of the reverse, is that Jesus gave it all in order to purchase us. Because we are are what Christ purchased with his death and resurrection. Okay? Lastly, is the uh, parable of the dragnet or the fishing net. The kingdom of God captures both good and bad. Uh, uh, kingdom of God captures both good and bad people. Uh, the the message is uh, given to both, uh, and I, I don't like the way I phrased the first sentence there because it's really, you know, the the kingdom of God is presented to both good and bad people. The message is given to both. Uh, they they live together and are given a chance to to change and grow. Eventually, the time comes when judgment is made. And God keeps the good, or God brings the good unto himself. And so there, there will come a judgment day when God separates, again, same concept as wheat and tares, God separates 
those that believe and those that do not believe. All right? So, coming back around, you know, essentially, Jesus taught in parables for a lot of reasons. Parables, they communicate masterfully. masterfully. Okay? Jesus kept from being a target of Jewish leadership until his time was right. And he also taught in parables in order to fulfill, fulfill, his prophecy, uh, fulfill prophecy. Okay? Um, or uh, the prophecy was given because he was going to, going to teach in parables. So either way you look at it, it's, it was all God's pl- part of God's plan. The, the message of the gospel divides. And this is one thing that I think is really important. You know, again, the concept of truth is one of the primary things that, that I like to share when, uh, when I'm, I'm discussing things when someone who thinks they understand a lot of um, heavenly concepts, someone who's a philosophy major, someone who is a... Um, who thinks that they understand um, the way God works and so forth. At the core, if there is, a a lot of people want to talk about whether it's their way to heaven, our way to heaven. They want to argue the semantics of, of mode of transportation, I guess, might be the best way to put that. Where I like to take them back to the con- if they believe in the concept of truth. Because if, if the concept of truth is accurate, then by definition, if something is true, that means something is not true. And that's by definition. Now we need to talk about what is truth. And this whole inclusionary concept that we have in our modern day um, society is, is, is really, really an assault against the concept of truth, not necessarily specifically the gospel. So once, once we determine the fact that, yes, there's, if there is the concept of truth, then there has to be the concept that something's not true. If there is the concept of truth, what is that truth, and how do we know it? And once, once you've got them off of the, hey, everybody's, I'm okay, you're okay, everybody's okay, you know, we're all going to heaven, you know, God can't be that bad, you know. God has to be a judge if the concept of truth is accurate. Because if there is truth that God has, uh, and God sets that truth, then one, it, anything that doesn't measure up to that is not true. And so it's so critically important, and that's because, again, getting back around to the, cons- uh, the idea that uh, implications of that are, are severe. Because if you, if you don't have that truth, the, implication, or the, the, the uh, implications of that are that you, you, don't end, you don't end up in heaven or you don't end up with eternal life, and you end up in an eternal hell. That is critical, critical for us to know. And it's the very last thing I, I, I want to leave you with, okay, is that Jesus 
taught in parables. And there were stories. And there were stories about the lives of people. And it, the kingdom of heaven, that concept is you got gospel, you got kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, all right? And you have it being told and demonstrated in parables. I'm going to tell you today that your life, the way you live today, right now, this afternoon, is a parable. It's a living parable. It's a parable that everyone else gets to see. And it's the most masterful way to communicate the message of the kingdom of heaven or the message of the gospel. It's through the way that you live your life and telling that story. And that story that you tell today is the one that everyone else gets a chance to see. I am not gifted with the gift of evangelism, but I have an opportunity to live and to demonstrate the character of Christ, I hope, daily. And it is by far the greatest way I've ever come up with conversations uh, about the gospel and about truth and about, about someone's uh, position in heaven. So that's uh, the, the, the crux of, uh, of Matthew chapter 13 is that there's a lot of, lot of really good stories and we could take a lot of time to go through and talk about you know, what, uh, a lot of theological concepts that are, in, uh, that are, that are encased in here. But at the, at the core, I thought this was going to be more important for us to pull out because the entire section is, it really stands by itself. The kingdom of heaven is the gospel. The gospel divides, not us. And we get the opportunity to tell people through, through the stories.